We are on the topic again this morning, when in the valley, when in the valley. This is part two, but if you missed part one, don't worry because you don't need to know part one to know part two. It's an entirely different message this morning, and we're looking at the valley of Baca this morning, the valley of Baca. Psalm 84, let's read from verse 5, please. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Now keep your Bible open at Psalm 84, please. But that's just by in a word of prayer. Eternal Father, we thank you. Almighty, infinite Father, faithfully loving your own. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. And even as it's been read this morning, that in Christ we are presented to you, even though we were found in our sin, and even though we were found in our depravity, even though we were found in the impurity of our own blood, yet, Father, you have cleansed us through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you this morning, Father, for he who loved us and gave up himself for us, And so, Father, we thank you this morning that everyone is here, Lord, in your will, in your plan and purpose, that none is here to hear this message by an accident or a mistake, because you are the sovereign Lord God of heaven and earth, and you work in the hearts of men and women. So, Father, this morning, we pray for your hand to be on this meeting. We pray for your glory to be known among us, and that the teaching and preaching of thy word the Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted and that men and women in their faith would be encouraged, the church would be edified. And Father, we pray this morning that you would be glorified. For Jesus' namesake we pray and for his namesake we ask it. Amen. When in the valley, part two, the valley of Baca. Verse six says, who passing through the valley of Baca Make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. The valley of Baca is known as the valley of weeping. Baca means weeping. It means tears, the valley of tears. And it also means the valley of lamentations. For example, Isaiah, or pardon me, Jeremiah in his book of lamentations wept over the city of Jerusalem, crying in Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 12, Is it nothing to you, all ye who pass by? Behold and see, if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. He wept over the city as it was being ransacked and ravaged and destroyed by the Babylonian army. He had warned them of the dangers that were looming, the enemy at the door, and none would listen to him. And now it had come to pass. So Baca means weeping, it means tears, and it means lamentation. 
Now every one of us, every person in our lives will find themselves that they will go through, spiritually speaking, they will go through, even physically speaking, in your body, in your life, you will go through your own personal valley of Baca. And you may go through it more than once, and you may even go through it many times. A valley of tears and weeping and lamentation. The valley of Baca near Jerusalem is said to be very dry and barren and arid. The ground was extremely hard to cross, extremely hard to traverse. And pilgrims going to Jerusalem especially for the Passover. They would have, many of them would have crossed over or maybe full length of went across or along the Valley of Baca. It was something that they were not looking forward to. It was something that they didn't want to have to go through. But if they wanted to come before God, if they wanted to be at God's temple, in God's house. If they wanted to be in the city of God and be in Jerusalem, many would have to go through or across the valley of Baca. They knew this valley was difficult. They knew this valley was extremely hard. And they knew this valley was a valley of tears and a valley of weeping where many would lament of the journey across it. So the pilgrims, They would pass through it, and it seems to have left its mark on the heart of the psalmist. And so the Holy Spirit, he gives the psalmist the thoughts to write for you and I this morning. He says, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well, the rain also filleth, it will pools. Filleth the pools, pardon me. Baca is typified as a type of the believer's walk and the difficulties you and I will have in our walk with the Lord. It's a certain time in your life. It's a certain period in your life. It's a certain season in your life. And maybe even your spiritual life, you have dryness in heart. Talking about between you and the Lord now. Dryness in your prayer life. Dryness in your spiritual life. Maybe even barrenness. You're barren in your heart. Oh, you're a child of God, but your walk with him, your love life has dried up. And you're barren. You're going through a valley of Baca. Many times we go through a valley of Baca of dryness and barrenness in the presence of God or we are striving to get to the presence of God, to the the temple of God, if you want, in Jerusalem. And we are strangers and pilgrims traversing this life. Maybe I'm speaking to someone who's struggling in their walk, struggling with their faith. They're struggling with doubtings and the dryness has come. You remember the times when the joy of the Lord was your strength. And you remember the times when you went on so well and it seemed as if God was so near at hand. 
Brothers and sisters, if that's you this morning, I want to let you know that God is still near at hand. Because he has promised to neither leave you nor forsake you. Guess who has walked away? You have. You have. Maybe you're seeking God and saying, Lord, what about the communion we once had? But your prayers seem like brass. As if the ceiling's made of brass. And you're you're, you're starting to, to, to feel this valley you're walking through. This arid land of barrenness and dryness in spirit. These pilgrims had to cross this if they wanted to get to the presence of God. If they wanted that communion back in their lives, they had to traverse the valley of Baca, the valley of tears, the valley of weeping, the valley of lamenting or lamentations. Baca may be your valley of hardship. After all, the place takes some effort to traverse it. Finding life hard. Finding the, uh, your walk difficult, especially in the year 2021, almost into 2022. All that's been happening in our land, all that's been happening in our nation, all that's been happening around the world, and, and many Christians are finding it difficult. Fear has come into their life. Worry has come into their life. And they're wondering what they're going to do next. How they're going to get through this period of time. And you feel it and it, it's a lamentation in your heart because you're saying, Lord, I don't know if I'll have the strength if I have to make decisions. I don't know if I'll have the strength if I have to uh, take my stand and follow you. After all, look what's happening in the world. Brothers and sisters, we all have this valley ahead of us. And some of us are starting already to walk it. What do we do? Do we trust God through the place where it could be hurt? The valley of of hurt where it's bringing you tears and weeping and lamentations? Or do we succumb to the world and to an ungodly government policy? Why are we here in this life at this time going through the Baca? Why are you now saved? Someone saved came to the Lord last Sunday night and another one the night before, the Sunday before. Why are they saved and come back to God? Why are they there now at this time? And why are you here at this time and why are we gathered together under this tent, this roof? It's not an ornate building. It's not a, a wonderfully polished brass staircase. It hasn't got the lovely plush carpets. Why are you here? Because God has brought you here. Because God has brought you here. And we are starting to traverse a valley called Baca. You and I are living in times where we're about to go into probably some of the worst times for the church. 
But I think of the early Christian church. I think of the reformers. I think of those who went before us. And surely if Christ is in us, we can do the same. Surely if Christ is in us, we can traverse this valley of Becca. Maybe tears and weeping and lamentation for many things. But you're living in one of the most momentous years of the history of God's ecclesia. Of God's church. Because when we traverse it, we will see our great Jerusalem. We will have the presence of the king. And we will be there, as it were, the heavenly, the new Jerusalem. And we will come out the other side. You know why? Because the scripture says, passing through. Personally, whatever you're in, wherever you are, you're passing through. And you're not staying where you are. Seasons will come and seasons will go. And things will change for you. Brother, go through it. Sister, go through it. Hardship may bring tears, weeping, and lamentations, but God is with you in it. He is by your side. Listen, the true heart which desired to worship the Lord would go through the valley of Baca. Listen, the true heart. There are many of Israelites who travel down and they would not want to go through Baca, but they went. But they went. And they stuck at it. And they kept going until they made it to Jerusalem and to the temple, to the place of the blood. We find here there were many who maybe got to the beginning of it and turned back. Turn back. I haven't got the strength to go through it. You're right, you don't. He'll give you it. How do you know he'll give it to me? Because the scripture says, in verse 5 of our reading, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. Then verse 7, They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Spiritually speaking, you and I, are going through our Baca together. Individually speaking, you may be going through a Baca, but the true heart will traverse it until they accomplish it, and there they'll find the reward of it and the blessing of it, which would be Jerusalem, the temple, the place of the blood, which ours is, we are the new Jerusalem, the place where God dwells, and we are the place where the blood dwells was applied if you're saved this morning and the blood was applied to you when you got saved the blood was applied to your life wasn't it the blood was applied to your heart the blood was applied to you and so spiritually we go through it until we get to the other side the true worshipper that was the true heart the true worshipper who desired to come before God but who deemed God more worthy. He deemed God more worthy than his very life to go through this valley. He or she made it to the other side. 
And we have to take infantry here and take account in your life and in mine, in your walk, in your home. Is he more worthy than what you're going through? So then is he worthy for you to go through it? It's hard, I know. It's difficult, I know. It's fearful, I know, can be. But is he worthy of it? Is he worthy of everything that you are and have? Then passing through back, uh, you'll realize that every day, with every step, it'll be strength to strength. Strength to strength. I'm weak today. I don't think I can make any more today. Listen, as your day is, so shall your strength be. So the scriptures tell us, as your day is, so shall your strength be. In other words, the day you need that strength, that strength from the Lord will be enough to keep you. And you'll get into the next day. You've received bad news, you've been through a valley of Baca. valley of tears and a valley of weeping a valley of lamentations and you feel like collapsing with it I can't but it's always in my head and my heart and my mind listen as your day is so shall your strength be and from strength to strength and tomorrow you'll get new strength sure those who thought they couldn't make it through the week have found themselves here today and those who feel they can't make it tomorrow will find that trusting in God and traversing on through this, that God will bring them to the very ending of it where you'll be here again in his will next week. You see, when I was first saved, I knew that I got saved, but I didn't know, understand, because you're like a new baby, aren't you? And I remember the third day after I was saved, I came under heavy heavy attack of the whole I need a drink what am I going to do for drugs never forget it and I get up and I was staying with a friend and ran down the shore road and walked into the church and ran to talk to a pastor and I said this is how I feel I thought if I got down to the building that's where Jesus lived that's what I knew and didn't know I didn't know he was with me. But I remember the very first time that I felt those pangs was three days after I got saved. And my thoughts were, what am I going to do, first of all, for the drink and drugs then? What am I going to do at the weekend? Now, I was on it every night, but I was thinking the weekend was when everyone was there. What am I going to do? A pastor came to minister to me and he sat with me. It was Pastor Shaw Higgins. And he says, listen, don't think about the weekend. Think about today. He's with you today. He's here now, with you now. Don't worry about tomorrow, he says. God will give you the strength for tomorrow. Keep walking with him. Keep trusting him. He prayed for me and he prayed with me. And so the next day, I kept trusting. 
And the next day I kept trusting. Fifth day, the sixth day, then I was back out of church and it was, my tires were pumped up and I was ready to go again. Then Monday comes, you're in the world and the, the need comes into you again. You're saying, Look, what's going on with me? It took a day at a time until one week turned into two and two turned into three. Then one month turned into two months and two months turned into three. And I didn't think about these things anymore until 25 years later today. Twenty-five years ago on this day. God has kept me by his sovereign grace. Don't worry about tomorrow. You're here today. Grab hold with both hands the horns of the altar. And trust in him. He will give you the strength day by day. Notice these true worshippers who desired to come before God but who deemed him worthy enough to go through the valley of Baca to get to his temple would go traverse it and find out at the end of it all that the journey was worth it. When you get through the valley of tears, you find that the journey was worth it because Christ is worth it. He's worth it. The worship that the pilgrim would offer up was far more valuable an offering than if he had stayed at home or if he had have stopped at the beginning of the Valley of Baca. Can you imagine that? Imagine you go so far, you're heading toward a place where you're getting so close to God and suddenly you get to the edge of Baca. You get to your very first day of trouble and strife. And what happens? You stop and turn back. You lose out on the blessing. You lose out on him. Now, when we were to go to John chapter 4, we're not turned to it for time's sake. We know the story. The woman at the well comes. This woman has had uh, a bit of a, a background. And the Lord comes to speak to her. And, and she says, and I'm paraphrasing for time's sake, she'd be go. Should we, where should we go to worship? For you, you worship at Jerusalem, but we worship in the mountains. And Jesus says, the time coming and now is when you shall neither worship in Jerusalem nor in the hills. And John 4.23 says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. <laughs> Father, I'm in a place called Baca. I'm heading to Jerusalem, but now in the new covenant, brother and sister, we don't need to traverse literal pilgrimages. We don't need to go to the Wailing Wall. Do you know that? I'm not trying to hurt anyone, but I've seen a, some people in you and they were in Jerusalem. Look, and I'd like to see it. I've never been there, but 
someone online message the person that was there under the wee photograph and say, when you're at the Wailing Wall, would you say a wee prayer for me? What's the difference in that in Romanism? That's idolatry. We don't need, we don't need to climb Crook Patrick. I was over years ago, like I was over in Tenerife, me and Allison, and there was an old man from Whitewell called Charlie Person. I heard he was there in a hotel and we went to see him, him and his wife. And we walked around and we came into, they were up in the room and the ladders go up and we were sitting in the room and I thought I was being all holy. I wasn't, I was just still a bit young in the faith. I sat down with Charlie and I said, I'm going to tell Charlie how, how holy I am. Such a, a, a holy godly character. I says, Charlie, I got up really, really early in the morning and his window was looking up uh, Tidy, the Mount Tidy or Tidy. And I says, and I walked the way, way up there. I says, now, not, obviously not up to the top, but I went a whole way out for a walk, for a long, long walk. And I just talked to the Lord the whole way up the mountain and the whole way down again. I had a really blessed morning. He says, son, I'm delighted to hear that. Good on you, son. You keep serving the Lord and you keep seeking after the Lord, he says. But I want to tell you, he says, I was talking to him here. I was talking to him right here. Where are you? He's with you right here. I don't feel it because I'm in the place of Baca. Well, he says, you'll go through them. But he's with you right here. Listen, and the Father seeks worship. What do you think of that? You ever thought of it like that? Your thought when we gather together or when you're on your own somewhere, your heavenly father is actually seeking you to worship him. When we're singing this morning, where we're just singing, that's what we do. We sing, don't we? Where we're singing, where we're worshiping. When we sang almighty, infinite father, faithfully loving your own, were, were you glad of that? Were we, were we, were we singing out to him? But I'm in Baca this morning. Yes, you may be. But we worship in Baca. We worship in Baca. So in the New Covenant, we don't go on pilgrimages in order to worship. We don't go on pilgrimages in order to have an off-given offering. Offerings from our hearts. And then Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 33. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Hebrews 8 rehearses this again to us. And where is God's law? Where is 
the dwelling place of God is it's in our hearts. The Lord Jesus said in John 14, verses 16 and 17, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that, you may, that he may abide with you forever. And the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. It doesn't say he will dwell in you and be with you until the edge of Baca. And then he leaves you. Doesn't say that. Jesus said that he will be with you and in you. Full stop. Whatever valley you're in, the valley of tears and weeping and lamentations. So what is it that causes the redeemed saint of God to weep, to shed tears and to lament? Yes, it's because we're human, absolutely. One reason could be, and it used to be, I feel, more more regular in the hearts or from the people of God. Especially in the blood-washed church. Could it be tears of repentance over sin, either their own or national sin? What's happening in our nation? Brother, sister, does it, does it disturb you? Does it disturb you when you hear what's happening in our land? I mean, really disturb you. Does it disturb you enough to tears? Does it disturb you enough to be in prayer? When Paul saw the altar to the unknown God in Athens, you know what it said? It says it, the word is it agitated his spirit that he cried out. Paul was stirred in his spirit, agitated him until he cried out. What about when we fail ourselves? Does it bring us to tears? Weeping before God. Other weeping maybe because of pain in your body, physical pain, spiritual pain, maybe mental pain, mourning, loss of a loved one. The pain of it is something that cannot be bound up, neither mollified with ointment. And the only place where when you're in that valley of Baca is that you have to walk it. People cannot walk this valley for you. You have to walk it. Yes, with the help of others. Yes, with an encouragement. But you have to walk it on your own with God. wonder 
See, when we're in somewhere like this, I believe the Spirit is speaking to hearts. And when we're in somewhere like this and we're worshiping together and we are even collectively through the back outside, we gather together, people of like mind and heart, to worship the Lord together. We're going through it, but we're still praising in CET. We're going through it, but we're still going to meet in CET. I wonder when we go home, what sort of person are we? What sort of person are we? See, in the church we can be full of, let us take our stand, full of faith and we can move mountains and we get into home and we pull the duvet over our head and go, oh Lord, this is terrible. I'm in Baca, Lord, I'm in Baca. Crying and weeping and lamenting. Well, here's something for us, brothers and sisters. You may be in Baca, but he is with you. He is with you. This isn't a condemnation or try to make anyone feel bad because we can all be like this. Many a night I'm laying in bed looking at the ceiling. Many a night I get up and pace the floors concerned about things and people or whatever. Just last Monday night I think it was my father-in-law can tell you because he came round to help me move house and my eyes were hanging out of my head. I had just over one hour of sleep the whole night. Concerned about what's happening. How does a shepherd lead a flock? Concerned about what, what's happening with people in their hearts, where they are in the faith. People are waning. I was talking to another pastor just yesterday morning before we came around here. And he was, the man's head is almost away with it. And that's the words he used. And I told him, you've got to keep going. You know what he said? I'm thinking of packing in. He says, no, you can't. You've got to keep going. He was in Baca. And I said to him, you've got to keep going, Brother. He said, no, I, 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 I went away. In fact, I was talking to another one a couple of days before that. A different one. Funny, the two of them are named the same name. I'll not tell you what it is. And I was on the phone with him, standing. We were trying to move things. And, and he was talking. He says, I, I had to try and get away for a while. He says, because I'm, I'm seeking to see why I should even just do this anymore. He said, brother, you've got to keep going. But people are saying this and people are doing that. I says, yes, but you've got to keep going. Let them say, let them do. Keep preaching the word and keep going on. The man yesterday morning, oh, this one and that one and the other one. He says, tell me about it. I know, but you've got to keep going. I'm trying to please this one. I'm trying to please that one. He says, do what God has told you to do. And if they leave you, they leave you. Press on in God. You're weeping about it. 
You've got to keep going, brother. You've got to keep going, sister. I'm in the place of, I'm in the valley of Baca. Yes, you are, but he's with you. And he will strengthen you. He will walk with you. And if you read his word, he will talk to you. You've got to keep going. That's how you know you're getting old. When other pastors are phoning you and asking you, what did you do? I used to go to Pastor McConnell and sit in this house and have yarns with him and I miss him. I really, really miss him. I miss him. So long ago I said, Alison, I just wish I had the old bishop to go and talk to. That's what we called him. I wish I just had him just to go and visit. I need to talk to him about the work. She says, Ken, go talk to God about it. Talk to God about it, brother. Not to everybody else. Back uh, some weep, as I said, and it's for the ministry. I'm going to bring a message sometime about ministering in the ministry, I think. Because the ministry is from Sunday schools and the children to cleaning of the church to the preaching at the pulpit. It looks all glorious, but there's a lot of muck and there's a lot of dirt. And you've got to show grace and love. Puritan Thomas Watson said this. There are two things which I have looked upon as difficult. The one is to make the wicked sad. The other is to make the godly joyful. I want to read that wee bit again. There are two things which I have looked upon as difficult. The one is to make the wicked sad. The other is to make the godly joyful. Dejection in the godly arises from a double spring. Either because their inward comforts are darkened. Or their outward comforts are disturbed. Do you know what's happening in the church this last two years? God has disturbed the downy feathers of the church's nest. And we can sit. Look, and I would like to have a building for you to go into. Don't get me wrong. We can sit with a thick, plush, piled carpet. In our conditioned room. We have plenty of air conditioning in here with the wind blowing through it at times. And the lovely, soft, plush seats and the ornate things. Look, that's okay. But the church got so comfortable in that it was a case of it's time for me to pull your feathers out. And he made us all uncomfortable. Before the whole 
2020 COVID thing started. The Spirit of God spoke in our meeting down in the building. And we got it wrong. What I mean is we understood it wrong. Because the Lord spoke on three different occasions. For I will now bring you out from among these four walls. And thou shalt go out. I will bring thee out. And you will reach others from outside of this place. We thought we were going to get well, get our, our hats and our coats on. We'll go around evangelism in the cold or t-shirts and all, you know. We'll go and we'll, we'll wrap the doors. No. It came a second time. It came a third time. Yes, Lord, we're preparing now. We're getting ready now, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Know the wee shandy andy, kugama shandies and all that sort of stuff. And you're sort of going, oh, that's lovely. Have we that's not the Holy Ghost when it does that. When he speaks, he speaks. But we got it wrong because he brought us out of the four walls. He brought us on a pilgrimage. And now we're in a tent, as it were, in the wilderness. And he's still with us. And he's still saving souls. And he's still healing bodies. And he's still restoring backsliders. Oh, there's much crying about it. Lord, we've been, I was away in the head about it. What am I going to do, Lord? What are we going to do? Press through it. That's all I could get from him. Press through it, son. Keep going on. Oh, Lord. No, you will murmur and weep and gurn. Press on, son. Time's flowing. I'll maybe do a second part next week. Because of so much material here. I wrote this on Monday morning. Got up early and I started writing. Because I knew what a lot to do is moving house. So I thought I've got to get into this to write it. And I finished tonight's last night when I got home. So let me finish with this. In Psalm 84 and verse 5 it said, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. Do you know what our problem is many times? We trust on our own strength. And because we're weak, because we are weak, W-E-A-K, we deem him as weak. W-E-A-K. And because our love can fail, we deem it that maybe his love could fail. No. You're blessed when you're the man or woman whose strength is in the Lord and whose heart are the ways of them. Frederick Fish. That's a real name, by the way. Frederick Fish said, the natural heart is a pathless wilderness full of cliffs and precipices. When the heart is renewed by grace, a road is made 
a highway is prepared for our God. This pathless, seemingly wilderness of Baca, dry, barren and arid land that you pass through. When you traverse it, it is full of cliffs and precipices. But when God in his grace reaches your heart, when God's grace carries you through this, when God's grace bears you along because you're failing and falling and you're faltering many times in it, when God's grace brings you to the far side of it, You'll find what God is doing. He's preparing a highway. Like those pilgrims going toward Jerusalem. He's preparing in you a highway. For his presence. There's things in our lives that we think we've dealt with. There's things in our hearts that we think we've removed. And there's things in us that we don't even know we have. And God sorts it out, removes it like the feathers from the nest. Oh, we're uncomfortable because we like to be in control. Because we like to be in control. Tell you this, let's be done. I don't like flying. I used to be petrified of it. Um, my first experience of flying was on a, a small, it's like a box with propellers, going across to Manchester from Belfast in 1989. I was going over to, uh, I was going over for a, a fight over there in Oldham, and I flew over, and it exhausted me going over on that flight. I'd never flown before. My first experience was all over the place, and. I never liked flying from there. So when Alison and I got married, we were walking across the tarmac to get on the plane to go to Grand Canaria, and I stopped, and I was struck with fear. And she says, what's wrong? I says, I can't go, I can't go, I can't go. And I turned back and started walking the other way. And Alison was going, don't do this, we're on our honeymoon. So anyhow, we got there, and every holiday I went on, I was petrified. Petrified of flying. I still don't like it, but I can sit and just get on with it now. Flam one time with this other pastor, and he loved flam. He used to wind me up, you know. Oh, what was that? No, you know. He said to me one time, Do you know what's wrong? Do you know why you're afraid of flying? I says, yeah, because I'm afraid of how far I've done it to go. He says, no. He says, you're out of all control here. Your life is in somebody else's hands. I said, it's true. He says, do you think that pilot flying the plane wants to crash? Or do you think he wants to go in to bring himself where he's in a place where he's in danger? I says, no. All these flight attendants, do you think they want to be in a place of danger? I says, no. No, suppose not. 
He says, they want to go home to their families as much as you'll want to go home. He says, yeah, fair. He says, do you think you can fly better than him? I says, no. He says, can you fly a plane at all? I says, no. He says, then leave it up to those who can. I says, no, you're right. He says, stop trying to control what you can't control. Then he says to me, do you leave your life in the hands of the Lord? Yeah. Then why aren't you trusting him? I says, well, we can still drop while they were Christians or not and hit the ground, can't we? He says, well, God has a calling in my life. This is what he said. God has a calling on my life. And I know that calling isn't finished yet and he's not finished with me. I says, I well, we could all hit the ground and you still survive. I was trying to make up excuses for every single thing. And he pointed this out to me. He says, stop making up excuses for not leaving your life in the hands of the Lord. For God has prepared a pilot who knows how to fly when you don't. And that helped me. Had to work at it. But that helped me. Is your life in the hands of the Lord? Is your life in the hands of the Lord? Then leave it up to him. And he will bring people along who will know how to help. People along who will know how to direct. At the right place, at the right time, in the right moment for you. And maybe you're going through the valley of Baca personally this morning. Whatever it is. Then leave it in his hands. Weeping, tears, lamentations. Leave it with him. God bless us this morning.